0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, November 20th, and I'm Blair Kirchhoff. Just before recording today, Missouri's football team boarded a chartered flight and headed toward South Carolina. Playing a scheduled game used to be a given in sports, but not in 2020. So the Tigers are set to play at South Carolina on Saturday, and beat writer Soichi Terada joins us to talk about Mizzou's first game in three weeks. After a break, we switch sports and talk with Sean Goodwin about Sporting Kansas City's playoff opener Sunday against San Jose. A reason to feel optimistic about Sporting's chances is the play of goalkeeper Tim Melia. Sean tells us what's made Melia one of the league's best at his position. So, let's get started with Suichi Tarada talking Mizzou. Hello, Suichi. How you doing today?
1: I'm good, Blair. Never have I ever been so relieved to see a football team fly out to their next game. Usually that's kind of a guarantee or, or kind of something that we took for granted. But this week, Blair, I I see some people posting on Twitter that they are headed to Columbia East. And I, uh, I think, I think Mizzou fans should be very happy about that.
0: I've seen the photograph on Twitter of the, um, sun country airlines, the charter (laughs) airline that, uh, with the, um, you know, with, with the stairs out on the tarmac. So, Stairs to the airplane. Uh, I'm assuming coaches and players are are on and uh, have boarded and are winging their way to the other Columbia to play Saturday's game. And listen, it's you know we we it's been well documented. There's it's no secret. Games have um, we have to wait until sometimes this wait this this uh, long into the week to, to determine whether teams are going to play. And there was another game, I can't remember which one it was, that I saw that that was called off today. So that brings the total to, I know at least 16 college football games aren't being played this weekend. After 15 weren't played last weekend, there are no guarantees in college football. And it would have been really difficult for Missouri not to have reached the threshold of, of minimum number of players, just because it has been a while since we've seen the Tigers play.
1: Yeah, Blair, it's uh, you mentioned that all the canceled games, the, the SEC actually only had one postponed game. It was Mississippi and Texas A&M, and that was squ- squared away pretty early, which was nice. So, yeah, and you mentioned the SEC roster thresholds. I was actually told that at least on the Mizzou side, I can't speak for South Carolina, but but they always kind of felt pretty optimistic going forward about this game. Obviously, last week for the Georgia game, they actually went down on a positional – they went below the positional threshold that defensive line, which caused postponement. But it, it sounds like even if Mizzou had fallen below the 53-player SEC threshold this week, the game was likely still going to go on. And I think um, – and, and you mentioned this, Blair. I mean, Mizzou hasn't played a football game in, in all of November – you know, we're recording this on Friday, November 20th, and I believe it's posted today. So that, that's a long time to go without a football game, you know, especially midseason. So I, I think Mizzou and perhaps even South Carolina post-firing a Will or they were both pretty motivated to get this game. And regardless of maybe even if they had fallen below that 53-player roster threshold.
0: Right. OK, well, let's let's do something unusual and talk about a football game that's going to be played <laughs> on, on, on Saturday. Um, I, I am uh, I'm really interested to see how the Tigers respond. I, I know that when they played Florida in their last game, it was the Gators that hadn't played in a while. And you kind of wondered how Florida would respond to the Tigers who had been playing. Uh, I think Florida had a there. That was a three week. leg uh, You know, it, it had been three weeks since they had played when they met uh, Missouri, and, um, and 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 Florida looked the part in the first half. Didn't didn't play particularly well. It was um, it was close at halftime. Of course, it was the fight at halftime. That's what everybody remembers about that game. But then Florida found its uh, stride in the second half and ran away. What do you what do you expect from a Missouri team? That hasn't played in a while at um, you know at South Carolina. Will is the, is there a, a good possibility of coming out a little bit out of sync and um, just not hitting on all cylinders early?
1: Yeah, I think that's always a concern, Blair. And and the thing that kind of strikes me and I wrote about this is it's 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 kind of a weird fine line in, in the sense that you really want to stay sharp during practices, but at the same time, when you're so close to losing players. An injury or two, you know, can wipe out your s- slim margin. So I think – you're. I really do think you're going to see Russ kind of like you mentioned with Florida, at least in the first half. I don't know how much that would matter just because the South Carolina defense is just absolutely decimated in terms of opt-outs and injuries and transfers and all these different things. I mean, they lost, you know, their two starting – Quarterbacks and I believe a safety, and you were already giving up droves and droves of points in the past three games, which is why Will Muschamp got fired. So I, I think you'd be a little more concerned if you were playing maybe a Florida or a Georgia after a long layoff, but I think with with a reeling South Carolina team under interim coach Mike Bobo, I, I really think that's kind of a fortunate draw from Mizzou.
0: Yeah, it, it's just been a, a crazy season for South Carolina after giving up uh, – uh, losing their first two to Tennessee and Florida, not unexpected. They beat Vanderbilt and, uh, and and then have a great win, really, over Auburn, a team that I've got in my top 25. I think Auburn's a pretty good team this year. But then they give up 52 to LSU, 48 to Texas A&M, and 59 to Ole Miss. So it's just been sort of one uh, you know d- d- defensive disaster after another for, for the Gamecocks. And as you said, Soichi, it got their head coach – Will Muschamp fired interim coach Mike Bobo. I remember him at Colorado State having a few bowl seasons uh, at, at Colorado State before um, things went uh, the wrong way for him there. You know, who knows how South Carolina is going to react to a a new coach, an interim coach. Sometimes that that uh, for at least a game, maybe two, it sparks a team. But I don't know if I get a sense. In this case, that a new coach is going to inspire a South Carolina team that's just, you know, really uh, in 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 the doldrums right now. How how do you? It, the Tigers are what a six six and a half point favorite in this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up more than that.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's funny, Blair. I'm glad you mentioned they kind of lost in this week. Was that the is a favorite, a betting favorite for the first time all season? They were underdogs in five straight games, I like guess six if you count he unplayed the postponed Georgia game excuse me um yeah that's kind of the sense I get Blair and I think in any other season maybe you could look at it as a positive and think hey maybe the players will be a little bit more motivated to you know get their interim coach a win and and everything like that but I, I really think a few things are kind of going against that notion I mean you only have three games left if you're the Gamecocks in a 2020 season and one, you're reeling, you're on a three game losing streak, your coach just got fired, there's only three games, but then you throw the whole COVID nineteen pandemic on top of it. And then I, I really think I don't know how much this plays into it, but as you mentioned, Blair, like Mike Bobo was at Colorado State recently and, and I you know, maybe if it was an assistant coach who had been around the program as long as Must Champ, maybe things you know, you maybe the players could kinda of look at that and be like, hey, this is he's been our guy, you know, he's been there every step of the way. But that hasn't been quite the case. So that's that's kind of another weird thing and then so I, I think just between all of those factors and, and you just feel a little bit, you know, kind of disheartened just with all of the opt outs, I mean you lose your best player. It, arguably your best player Potentially a first-round NFL draft pick in J.C. Horn at cornerback, and then you lose other guys in that secondary that was just giving up so many points, and you wonder how much of that is on the players, how much of that is on scheme. But when you lose pieces like that, and, and we've seen Connor Bazilek like, has been able to sling this ball against you know kind of a bad secondary in that LSU game. So I think I think if you're Mizzou, one, you know, you, you try to get back that rhythm that we've mentioned, but you also try to kind of exploit maybe a secondary that's that's starting with starting and playing a bunch of unproven players and, and maybe you can pad a little bit more stats and feel a little bit good about yourself just because mizzou hasn't had a blowout win this season just you know against kentucky and lsu great wins but maybe they can feel a little bit better uh coming out of this game and and for the rest of the season because it does ease up considerably
0: yeah, it's the first of four games left on on Missouri's sk- original schedule. Am I right about that? Am, am I counting? Have I, have I got the, the right number, right amount of fingers on, on my hand here. <laughs> uh, um, after South Carolina, it is—is um, uh, is it Ar- it's Arkansas next week? Right. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Barry and then Odom's
0: Arkansas. Yep. And be. then Mississippi. Right. And then Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And. And then, uh, and then va- is it Vanderbilt? And are they going to make up the Georgia game?
1: Yeah. So the SEC actually announced last Friday, kind of a news dump, but kind of uh, maybe it overshadowed or, or or whatever. But SEC actually announced that they had accepted that December's nineteenth, which is the same day as the SEC championship game, can be used as an alternate date. And so I think the reason they haven't quite moved the Mizzou Georgia game is, is the fact that the Bulldogs. So technically, I, I doubt I doubt it'll happen because they lost to Florida, but. They're still technically kind of in the SEC East race. So should Florida drop a couple more games the rest of the season, I think you might see some shuffling near the end of the year. But as of now, I think all sides point to Missouri, Georgia on December 19th.
0: Okay, very good. Hey, and let's uh, you, you had a story in, in today's paper and you and pulled out a stat that I did not realize involving uh, Larry Roundtree the third. Um, when he rushes for 100 yards or more, good things tend to happen. <laughs> for for the Tigers, that is, they're two and zero when that happens, and they haven't won when it doesn't happen. So, we talked about Connor Basilak and his his ability, but I I I, I agree with what you wrote, Suichi, that you get Larry Roundtree established. That's also a very good thing for Missouri.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so simple, and and you know I. I... I kind of struggled whether using it or not, just because it is a very small sample size of five games. But in asking Eli about it, I think he made a great point in, in terms of just it being about game script. Just because when I, I during this very extended long break, I rewatched all five games Mizzou has played, and it, it really does seem like when they get behind by too much, which which happened in those losses, that they kind of just abandon the run game. I mean, you don't really see Larry Roundtree featured as much, and I, I really think that's a shame, just because. Even going into the season, you you really thought your running back situation between Roundy Roundtree and Tyler Beatty, you you really thought that was the strength of your team. So, anytime you go away from that, I I think you you kind of take away so, something that's pretty vital to that offense. And and I really think, you know, I mean, Larry Roundtree's story has been told very well. Under recruited, you know, coming out of North Carolina and everything, and. And the thing that he kind of brings is just that you know he's going to take every touch seriously. He's going to run, you know, as hard as he can on, on however many carries he has, which was, I believe, 37 against Kentucky. So I, I just think he's such a big part of this offense. And when you look at the stats, it, it's simple, yes, but I think it kind of dictates other things. Uh, you, you look at it and you, and you kind of look at Larry Roundtree and hope that he kind of gets the uh, maybe the, the credit or, or fans will remember him uh, very well just because of uh, – of his time in zoo and everything.
0: Well, and he has a chance to make some history too on Saturday with, uh, with just a couple of carries, few carries. He, he will, he'll become the, um, uh, he'll go to the top of the list of career rushing yards by a Missouri running back. Not, not in Missouri history, but by a Missouri running back, right? Uh, <laughs> so I think Zach Abrams got, is, is at the top of that list.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So unfortunately for, uh, Roundtree. And I actually thought about this. If he stayed another year with the blanket eligibility, he could have made it. But he, he accepted a senior bowl invite, so that probably won't happen. But it, it's it's a little bit rough just because uh you, you look at you look at the stats and, and you see Brad Smith um and, and, and what he's done and everything and, and you look at the stats and you're kinda like, Okay, maybe maybe that's a little bit too far for this season. Um so Brad Smith is at four thousand two hundred and eighty nine. Roundtree is nineteen yards away from passing Zach Abram, who's at 3,198, So still over a thousand yards there. But yeah, I mean, being the most prolific running back in, in Mizzou history, I, I, I think still goes a long way. Just because you got guys like gay Brown and Brock Lebo is obviously a legend, and all those backs that you've seen in Mizzou history, uh, very talented backs. And the fact that Larry Roundtree has a chance to to, to kind of stand on top of all of that is, uh, I think, is a testament to him and his longevity and, and the way he means to his team as a senior captain. And whatever the media speaks to him, I mean. I, I personally love speaking to Larry Roundtree just because he gives thoughtful answer, answers, you know. Um, maybe sometimes after a loss, it's, it's a little bit more mum, but every other time, man, he, he, he's very thoughtful, and you can tell he, he you know, just considers the question and, and thinks about the question. I, I don't think that's a guarantee with college students sometimes, so I appreciate Larry's uh, thoughtfulness and eloquence and everything
0: yeah i agree i have been impressed with him on the on these zoom uh, calls and uh after games and and uh when when whenever else he's made available to the media so okay game is at six thirty central time on saturday at columbia south carolina the game is on the the s e c network alternative so um um i'm i'm getting a little tired of that that missouri gets to banned to the to the um banished to the alternative network, but, uh, but so it is, uh, if you can get it on ESPN three too, if, uh, if you, if you're having trouble getting it on the, uh, on the alternate. So, all right, Soegi Torada, great catching up with you. And we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thanks, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas city stars award-winning sports coverage. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Sean Goodwin covers Sporting Kansas City for the star, and it is playoff time. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good, Blair. As you say, it's playoff
2: time. I'm excited. It's also playoff time for high school football, which I also do. So it's it's, it's an exciting time of the year for me right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, and and we don't take sports for granted in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's um, we we went months without anything, and um, and and soccer really kind of paved the way for sports to return. Yeah. in in the on the globe, and um, and now we're getting uh, the 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 postseason for for MLS. Sporting Kansas City takes on the San Jose Earthquakes on Sunday at Children's Mercy Park. Just a just a general thought, Sean, on is sporting in as good a position, um, you know, mentally, emotionally, every way you can be to, to begin a playoff run?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you've obviously had a couple of weeks off now to help assist with their health and walking not. So uh, health and tactics-wise, especially preparing for San Jose team, which is a little, a little different to what, you know, most other teams in the league play, so it's good to have extra time to prepare. Um, player-wise, I mean, you're missing Gutierrez and Zussi per usual. Apparently, Beasler isn't available this weekend, but, I mean, we didn't expect him to score anyway. anyway. Uh, so, aside from that, I know Peliza was still game-day decision, but, you know, having I playoffs, sporting are, honestly, nearly as good as you wish they could be for... You know what you've dealt with this season,
0: and and in a, un, something of an unusual twist. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Sporting in San Jose will be meeting each other for the first time this year. Um, yeah. Usually, in, in in a playoff situation, it's a team that you've faced, especially if in the you know in in the in the the conference, a team that you've faced multiple times during the season. These teams mm-hmm. have not met during the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, regular season, you play home and away versus your conference, and then you. You play your conference one time through, so obviously because of COVID and scares, we've played four games against Minnesota and four games against Colorado and Houston. So um, it'll be I think it'll be nice for all of us we just have a different team to watch. Um, honestly, A little bit something different for the coaches and players to prepare for too.
0: Hey, and Sean, so I, uh, sporting won the, uh, you know, won their side, right? Uh, finished first in, in the, uh, in the West. Yeah. So I'm going on, you know, I get these, um, uh, these emails from uh, on- online bet- betting companies mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I get them constantly about NFL and college football, NBA, major league baseball, but I saw some MLS uh, betting lines this week, and although Sporting finished, you know, with a terrific record, and again mm-hmm. first in the West, um, it, it the the odds of Sporting winning the MLS Cup are below about four or five others, uh, all from the East. I noticed, and and even in the West, uh, I think Seattle was was given a nod over a betting nod over Sporting Kansas City. Does mm-hmm. that seem right to you? You know.
2: I, I, w- I won't be completely against it. I mean, you know, I, I think you said you were probably six favourites or something, despite finishing third in the supporters. Um, but obviously, a big part I guess as well is it's one and done. Um, you know, you win or you go home. And sporting has been pretty good the past, you know, four or five games defensively, but we do know that unfortunately, this is a team where they can fall apart in the last five minutes, give up a stupid goal and that could, be, that could be the end of the season. Um, so you mentioned that, and again, below in the Western Conference, you had Seattle and Portland both below Sporting in the standings. But both teams who they have a recent history of going deep in the playoffs and you know winning MLS Cups recently. And I know Sporting was only, what, seven years ago, but it's nearly a different team at this point. Uh, we haven't really, apart from the Western Conference finals run in 2018, uh, we, we haven't had a deep run for Sporting, so, you know, solid team. I definitely think they, of course, stand a chance, uh, but when you look at some of your teams in play who have maybe a little bit more experience going deeper in the playoffs, you've got Sporting with such a young team, a lot of guys it's going to be their first playoff run. It doesn't wholly surprise me, but uh, if I was a betting man, which I'm not because I'm 24 and poor. <laughs> um, uh, sports in KC will be a good a, a good bet to hedge. I'll definitely put my money on them.
0: Okay. Um, one of the reasons that, uh, that 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 there would be to like Sporting Kansas City in a playoff situation is Tim Milia, the goalkeeper, yes. and um, you you he is uh, he's really seems to be at the top of his game right now, which uh, which is saying plenty because he. Uh, he's been a terrific uh, keeper for uh, for this franchise for for mm-hmm. quite a while. You wrote a really nice story about Tim Milia earlier in the week. I wanted to uh, take you back to that, and mm-hmm. uh, and what did you discover, uh, or or just uh, uh, what did you find most interesting about Tim Milia?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a fascinating admi- a lot of people don't think about because you know, down the years you. Everyone knows Tim Mealy is tired of telling the story of how he was a, a poor goalkeeper to one of the best in MLS. Everyone knows that he's tired of saying it. Uh, but a lot of people do think that his story starts there when, you know, like many people just through life, I guess, it, it doesn't. He had he had to get to that point to start, so one of his big things was sitting behind, you know, goalkeepers during his time at Chivas with Kennedy and salt lake with nick romando and you know he's a some some of mls's best goalkeepers in the last you know 10 or 20 years really um so yeah we, we talked a lot about you know it's a double-edged sword and uh yes he was stuck behind these great goalkeepers he wasn't being given opportunities to play but at the same time he could study these guys at like the top of the profession and how they play and, you know, what makes him a good goalkeeper. And obviously every goalkeeper has their own style, which Tim Nealier has built himself, uh, whether it's, you know, playing off the back, playing with his feet. But and he was saying, like, with Romando, he he learned to – he looks like he's just standing upright, but he's always on edge, always ready. That's a big part of his game. So it was just super interesting to talk about the facets of his life and his career that people don't really concentrate on, which was – his life before spotlighting, the I suppose.
0: You know, um, he, he is exceptional in, in many ways, but where he stands out in in a in an incredible way is on penalty kicks. Yeah. And the, there was the game against, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Chicago earlier this season at, um, I, I can't remember if it was a home or away, because sure. yeah. every yeah. game, every game's on TV, right? That's how we consume them. Yeah. Uh, but, he 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 has a big mistake in the first thirty seconds of of that game, and just you t- take us through what happened and how he responded to what happened.
2: Yeah, so literally the first thirty seconds, it's against like Chicago, who's obviously you know, uh, considering they top of the league, it's a good chance for home for Sporting to pick up points, and literally within thirty seconds, the ball comes back to Melia and. He just botches the clear and sh- right away, sends a straight-in of a Chicago player um, and, you know, gave run into the box. And in his haste to try and, you know, recover from his mistake, he instead takes down the player gives away a penalty um, within the first 30 seconds. And before I say what happened next, one of the things that he was telling me about was he's always had this mentality through his career, as cliche as it sounds, and it's good for all goalkeepers. It's not what you've done, it's what you do next. It's, you know, focusing on how you can change the game next. Don't dwell on the past almost. So, you know, he he basically said he wasn't going to dwell on giving away the penalty. Um, and he goes ahead, he saves the penalty. It wasn't the best penalty, but nonetheless he saves it. And then Sporting KC go on to win 1-0, which obviously with a save, it's huge. Um, and that's you know, down the line has helped now our record one seed. So, you know, it, it, it does speak a lot to his mentality, uh, that he's able to make not one, but two mistakes back to back and then still dig himself out of it and help SKC win.
0: Absolutely. And he just, uh, laid us in a line of terrific goalkeepers for this franchise, starting with Tony Miola and then uh, Jimmy Nielsen and now, mm. and, and now Tim Milia. So, okay. Um, Sean, it's Sunday. It is three p.m. at Children's Mercy Park against the San Jose Earthquakes on Fox Sports One. Mm-hmm. Good day for uh, sports fans in Kansas City. They'll get to see uh, Sporting at, at three, and then the Chiefs at seven twenty that night on Sunday Night Football. So, uh, looking forward to your coverage of the game, and hopefully, okay. it's just the first first of many playoff games for Sporting Kansas City this fall. So, Sean, great catching up with you, and we will do. We will talk again soon. Always. Appreciate the for Thank you. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Soichi Torada and Sean Goodwin for stopping by and talking Mizzou and Sporting Kansas City. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you, especially for those who want a deeper dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto renews at 5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Of course you do. I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage that comes with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And that's a lot of dots and dashes, so if you're having trouble, Hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. Whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday to break down the Chiefs-Raiders game. Thanks for listening.